Welcome to Fat Muscle Project, your home for building your best physique. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, not your co-host today. We've got a very special host, and this is going to be fun. We've got Jeff Sue in the house. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, John? Thank you for having me. Yeah, cool. man, this is uh, th- this is fun. Like you and I are no strangers to each other. We've been on plenty of podcasts. We've been around the industry for uh, we're old men at this point, right? Um, <laughs> we we've both been around, been on numerous podcasts. And we're doing something fun over here at Fat Muscle where we're having a bunch of guest uh, co-hosts come on and talk about different topics. And this is fun, man. Uh, You've got a really good topic lined up today. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what we're going to be talking about and then let people know a little bit more about who you are, because this is going to be a little bit different, um, a little bit different listenership than, than what we're both used to. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the application of um, what's called deductive reasoning in coaching, um, because not every case that comes across our desks are going to be the same. Um, it's very easy to get into a protocol block mindset, especially with a lot of great education out there. Um, the trick becomes where and when to apply that education, those supplements, those dieting protocols, training protocols. Um and I think, you know, from my experience, that's where I tripped up before. And that's where I'm seeing a lot of younger, earlier coaches in their game trip up and just being more blanket protocol minded versus thinking deductively and reasoning through almost like a thought algorithm in your brain and seeing where and when you should be applying certain things. So that's our topic. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 going to be a fun one because and I know you're going to talk a little bit about you. I, I want to give you just a, li- a little quick intro. Um, you've been around, like I said, doing this for a long time. But what our listeners need to understand is that you've been doing this at an extremely high level, what I consider the top tier level of coaching. Um, not so much people that think coaches that are successful and they get great results are the the ones that are the most well-known. And we know a ton of well-known coaches that aren't really that good at what they do. They, you know, that's a whole other topic. Um, you, you're building a very well-known name, um, but your results and the way that you go about the process at an extremely high level, you, re, you remind me of one of these coaches that John Meadows talked about, a good, a good friend of all of ours who's no longer with us. When he came to the physique summit, he said, Hey, listen, this group of coaches that you guys are all around and yourselves, he goes, you guys are problem solvers. You don't just throw drugs at things. You don't throw cookie cutter programs at things. You guys are problem solvers. And I know that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, but you encompass that. So it's, it's very cool to have you on the show because in my opinion, you're, you're definitely one of those top tier coaches in the industry. So I want to let our listeners know, um, you're very important to this show. I'm glad that you picked this topic. Thanks, dude. That means a lot coming from you. I know you've been around much longer than I have, so that's that's a lot to me. Um, thank you. Um, but yeah, you know, I've been coaching since like 2012, 2013-ish, so about the 10-year mark right now, being 2023. I'm 39, almost 40 years old, so uh, I'd like to think I've matured a little bit um, in my experience <laughs> in my career so far. But yeah, I used to work in finance, my official like degrees are in uh, finance. I had my MBA from a school called Bentley University here in Waltham, Massachusetts. And I did about eight years in corporate finance, working in retail and uh, healthcare. 
Um, so a lot of my, um, I guess, organizational skills or leadership ability or whatever comes from absorbing, um, you know, other leadership positions in my jobs and also the case studies that we learned from in grad school because it was a lot of like case study based teaching. So that has definitely helped my my deductive reasoning, I would say, when I'm looking at client cases. Yeah, man. Well, this is going to be a good one. So the brains are yours, man. Take it away. Yeah. So I guess, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, I had a question. I have a group, right? It's called the coaching consortium where, you know, I have a bunch of coaches that post in there and someone posted, you know, who's the best functional coach out there? And, you know, I, I read this question. I didn't answer it because, you know, I wanted to let other people in the group first like chime in. And eventually everyone kind of came to the conclusion that there really is no best coach out there. It's really like people are really, really good in certain areas. Some people are decent in maybe three or four areas, but for the most part, you know, it's like mirror, mirror on the wall, you know, who's the Mm -hmm. best of them all. It's really the eye of the beholder. Right. So I said that it's like, it depends on what you need. You know, maybe you have a gut health issue, you go somewhere else. You don't come to me. Maybe if you have a prep, you know, to do, you go to John Gorman, you know, so it's, it's all, it's all different. Um, But, you know, there are some commonalities between who's, you know, more so considered good versus more so who's considered, you know, you know, having more opportunities to to improve on their craft. And I think that's where the deductive reason, the ability to think through cases is, is probably going to set more people apart versus what they actually know. It's how they actually think. I, man, I love that. I agree so much. And like I kind of said earlier, there's a lot of well-known coaches that may not necessarily be the best coach for you, the person listening that's looking for a coach. And a lot of that comes down to what do you need? But it's also hard to kind of sift through all the bullshit that we have out there because of social media, because anyone can be successful, air quotes for those of you that can't see on YouTube. Um, It really comes down to looking at track record, asking a lot of questions, questions of the coaches and getting to know someone. But man, it's these days, it's tough. It's tough to pick out someone who's truly good out of the crowd. And you're right. There are people that, you know, someone might be a great coach with an IFBB pro who's a, you know, 220 plus pounds on stage. But if someone has, you know, female weight loss resistance or any kind of issues like that, they're probably not going to be the best coach for that if they don't work with that all the time. Right. And vice versa. If you're a a bodybuilding coach that works with a ton of natural athletes and you've got a guy that's going to be 235 on stage, you don't even know what the fuck he's running because you have no clue. You might be able to get someone shredded, yeah. Um, but you don't know the whole nine yards. And there are coaches that have started to, and I, I don't know if we're going to go here or not, learn more outside of their norm. And Cliff Wilson's a perfect example. Cliff was known for a long time as is you know one of the best natural bodybuilding coaches, period. And he started to work with assisted athletes. Um, and I had been working with him for a long time. And him and I talked about things and. He's really gotten to know a lot, even though he's a natural guy himself. So it it's hard to find people. I guess that's the first thing I wanted to point out. Yeah. And on social media, it's it's easy to, you know, market yourself as someone who is really, really good if you just post, you know, your best transformations. And, you know, you could have, let's say, you know, 100 clients and you consistently post like 30 of your best. And then you have a whole bunch of drop off um, and churn. 
then you know you're you're really not doing that great, right? So it's a lot of um, I would say it's you know accuracy in your results and then consistency. And it's also I find it more impressive when someone turns like a, a not so great physique into a really, really good physique over yes. time. And also when you turn someone's health around or their physique around, how does that after after look? That's also another testament to your coaching because could the client actually take what you taught them and do it on their own yes. or were they helpless and they revert it back or worse and they have to go back into the coaching mill, back into the churn and then be spit out again by another coach. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, something you talked about posting, sometimes you'll see a lot of more well-known coaches. And by the way, I'm not harping on well-known coaches. Like there's, there's all kinds of different ways to define that. But what I'm talking about is people that aren't really that good of a coach, but they're well-known. There's a lot of people, if you notice, pay attention to what they post. Most of the time they're posting about themselves. And if you're looking for a coach and they're not posting up their clients left and right, don't let the excuse of, oh, I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just constantly post results. Listen, if you're a coach for hire, you're posting your, your stuff up. And yeah. one of the things I did early on, and it wasn't out of any kind of grand plan of being able to look back 10, 15 years down the road and say, ah, oh, this was a good idea. But every competitor I've ever had hit the stage, I have a Facebook page, my Team Gorman Facebook page, and I would post the results every year starting in like 2010 or 11, whether they placed or they didn't place. If they got on stage, I would put their picture up. And then going back, it was kind of cool because I thought every single person I've ever had hit the stage has always been posted, no matter if they look good or bad. And it put that pressure on me to like, I better get them fucking shredded. But it also allowed me to look back. And if somebody said, wants to hire me, I just send them the link to the to the albums. And I'm like, hey, like, I, I here's my clients. Like, if you want to ask yeah. any of them, like, go ahead. But I, th- I always think it's a good idea to make sure you always keep track of your client results. And that's from an athlete perspective. A lot of us still work with Gen Pop. So, you know, mm-hmm. posting all the time with them is a little harder because they don't necessarily want to be seen. But I think it's still a good idea that you're putting content out left and right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And giving credit to people, even if they don't have a, a national level physique, um, you know, I think that brings a lot of joy into into people's lives. And you get more clients. I honestly think like working with Genplop from a business perspective, you're gonna make a lot more money working with the commoners versus the, the genetic elite. You yeah. Know? Um, as much as I look at some of the top, top bodybuilding coaches out there, I'm like, wow, what's it like to have a client in the Mr. Olympia, you know? I don't have any, but right. I have two. I have two going to nationals this fall. I have a couple doing local, you know, regional shows, um, and that's good for me. You know, I like doing that. Yeah, so. and you know, you bring the, up a good point. Gen pop uh, people that are a little more common. That that's not meant in a bad way. That's actually a good thing yeah. because they they pay yeah. our bills. And I think there's this huge learning curve that if you only work with athletes. There's a lot of stuff that mentally goes into being a good coach and communication yes. with people yes. that are gen pop because there's a whole different battle there versus athletes yes. that, I mean, how many times have you and I either ourselves said when we've competed or our clients said, hey, I'll, I'll eat anything. I'll eat dog shit if I get shredded. You're not going to yep. see a lot of gen pop people say that, right? No. And, and, you know, when you miss out on those clients, you miss out on a whole skill set that, you know, we'll probably touch upon today in the whole deductive reasoning thing, um, because you're, you're not being trained to unlock, you know, intrinsic motivation in people 
and habit stacking and have people crave that progression. You know, when you when you're a physique competitor, you you already want it. You want it like when you were born, you know? Yep. So it's 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 harder to to inject that into somebody who is doubtful of their their skill set. Yeah. So but yeah, speaking of all that, um, you know, I think, you know, going back to the whole deductive reasoning thinking thing, I think a lot of that begins with like being able to to consume a lot of information and understand it and then, you know, somehow make note of it so that, you know, your brain processes it in your unique way and then be able to apply that. I think a lot of um, online coaches, at least the ones that I mentor, you know, they may not have liked their prior career paths or they may not have liked school because school is not for everyone. And I agree with that. However, I think people still need to have the ability to consume information and make sense of it. And if you can't do that, you can't, I don't think you can coach quite frankly, because there's just so much information about people that you have to organize and make sense of in order to come up with a direction. What do, what do you think there? I, I agree a hundred percent and I'll be interested to see, I, I think you and I are probably pretty similar on this. So it, to me, yeah. it all started off with consuming information immediately right out of the gate. And mm -hmm. it was to apply it to myself. First and foremost, right. you know, I started reading books like Body for Life and, you know, I was on the muscular development message boards, which are pretty much now, you know, super archaic. But yeah. all these different things, I was consuming a lot of content to use it myself. And then as I started to train people one on one, mostly Gen Pop, or well, it was all Gen Pop in the beginning. I was applying all those different things that I learned to them and I tried to experiment. Um, but I was doing most of it to myself. Like the first ketogenic diet, I didn't do that to a client. I did it myself. I read a uh, body opus by Dan Shane back written back in like 1995 or 96 and some of Lyle McDonald's keto stuff. And I did it all myself, yeah, yeah. but I consumed so much content to try and apply it to myself. But the same thing, you know, goes for coaches. There's so much good content at their fingertips now at all of our fingertips that mm -hmm. you can, you have to really be picky and choosy because there's only so much that you can take in, but I'm a big fan of like narrowing your focus down. So like right now, I'll just use me for example, right now, I've been on a three-year quest to learn everything I can about cardiovascular risk disease and prevention and longevity as it ties to cholesterol and genetic components and stuff like that. I'm about to start putting out a ton of context. I'm finally to that point three years later, and I've been helping a ton of my clients with it slowly through, you know, diet and, you know, all the different pathways, but that kind of content, if you're trying to consume everything and then something like that, that's new, you're, you're not, it's like, I like to pick one thing and really try and drill down and focus on it. And that's, that's kind of been my approach these days because there's so much content out there. And I think coaches really need to think about, okay, so what's my goal? What are the clients that I have? What do I need to learn that that's going to apply to them? And you find good content and you start to dissect it and then you start to apply it to those clients. And whether it's podcasts like this, um, you know, you speak all over the place, Jeff, you put out good content on social. There's all kinds of different ways people can get it. When you mentor your, so let me throw this back to you. When you mentor your coaches, how do you like to recommend content for them to consume? So I have a list of books that I will suggest my mentees to read. 
Yeah. And so I first, you know, when I first have a, a mentee come on board, I take an inventory of their skill sets, like what they know, what they don't know, what they're good at or not. Uh, what have they experienced? Then I'll recommend some basic reading so that we can kind of level up so we can be on the same page to discuss topics. Uh, so if I mention something like in some resistance, they're not like, oh, it's completely over my head, you know? Um, but we start there. There's also a lot of um, great resources on YouTube. I think um, Precision Analytics, I believe, that runs the uh, the Dutch tests and all that. Yeah. They have a lot of free education on their website, like hour-long training videos done by a lot of naturopathic doctors and regular doctors. Uh, so that's free information there in case people listening haven't heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I go. I, I aim to support their their knowledge, and then we deep dive into case studies, and we work one on one with clients that they have. Yeah, there's just so much good content. Uh, you know, you and I have been putting out podcasts on different platforms for a long time. You've been a part of Excellence Cartel for a long time. You guys have done a really good job of educating. It's almost like being in a one-hour class every time you guys do an episode. Yeah. It's been the same with Elite Physique University. Uh, you guys all came on and, and, and kind of crashed the show one time. That was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, um, fun. yeah, yeah. So, you know, those two podcasts, I you know, they're going to be around forever. I definitely suggest that they listen to those. And then this one's going to be built kind of in that sense, but with more gen pop. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, we had a lot of physique athletes that listened to the other ones, right? This right. one I'd like to also build around super serious physique enhancement, but a lot towards coaches and people that are gen pop as well, because it's easy to kind of get lost in the extreme physique enhancement. And, you know, we start to miss, you know, people that need to lose 30 pounds and they're brand new and coaches that are struggling. So right. I, I like to suggest starting with podcasts if you're someone that likes that, because you can drive and listen to them. You can walk and do your cardio and listen to them. And I know for me, I'm I'm kind of a podcast junkie. I've got about four that I listen to. And every time I drive for more than you know 30 minutes or more, I'm going to consume something that I can learn from. So yeah. I'm I'm big on that. And I am a big reader. Um, I don't know about you, but I definitely love to read. So I'm reading almost all the way through on the second time, Peter Atia's new book, Longevity, and it's been outstanding. Um, it takes you a couple of times through to grasp everything because it's at such a high level. Um, so I like podcasts and books, man, 100%. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's cool because the more you coach and the more you read, the more you realize how interconnected all the systems of the bodies are and yes. how connected the physiological is with the psychological and the emotional. And so for the prep coach that's, you know, just used to the robotic, you know, highly motivated client you know, that you can just diet when you actually, when you actually find a client where you hit a snag on, let's say like they have like, you know, AFib or arrhythmia or whatever at night. And you notice that they're like, you know, electrolytes are off or, or whatever and you start to look into that, then maybe you have them run a lab panel. Maybe you do a consult with somebody else and they're educating you on calcium and, and phosphorus and sodium, magnesium and all that stuff. Just, you know, little lights will start to go off in your head. You're yeah. like, huh, what's that? what's that? You start to branch off. And then soon you realize that you're part of this like universe of knowledge that you haven't even touched yet. Yep. And I think that's the exciting part about coaching but that's also the challenging and scary part about deductive reasoning and knowing where to hit first, depending on the case, you know, but the education part will open your eyes to the stuff that you never knew existed. That's yeah. 
And, 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 you know, there might be people listening that are thinking, okay, so what exactly is deductive reasoning? Because people don't hear a lot of that. And to me, it's just, you're kind of looking at the problem that you're trying to solve in a macro view, like maybe 30 pounds weight loss is the macro view problem and then macro view goal. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not, when that client's not losing weight, then you start to use deductive reasoning and you start to try and find, okay, so what are the reasons, right? One, are you sticking to the diet on a scale one to 10? That's what I ask them all the time. Um, and, you know, once you eliminate, you know, are you sleeping or all these different things? Are you, are you backed up? Are you super sore? All these things that make the scale kind of go up or stall. And the deeper you get into it and the more you get to know someone, then there's also other places that you can run labs and you can say, oh, you know, you're, testosterone is super low or you do a four point cortisol. Hey, you're like, your cortisol is like really high. Of course you're stalled out, but all these things, you look at the macro view and then you start to deduct the different reasons and hypothesize. And then you start to piece together. It goes back to problem solving. And a lot of coaches, they just want to throw more cardio and and subtract calories and think that's going to get them there. And ultimately you could, but you're probably creating more of a problem, right? So that that's kind of my view of deductive reasoning. Does that sound about what you're thinking? It, it's absolutely correct. It's literally the process of thinking through a problem and eliminating the low-hanging fruit that could be causing that problem mm-hmm. to you work into deeper and deeper issues that may need more complex solutions to, to fix. So yeah. another example would be you get into your car. You go and you start your car. The car doesn't start. What's the problem, right? So you start to think through. It's like, okay, do I have gas in my car? Is there something wrong with the wiring? Is it, you know, you know, whatever it is, that's the process. But yeah. um, I would recommend so people listening to this. So we're gonna. So I want to give some some applicable takeaways here. So whenever you get a client case, doesn't matter what it is—a prep case, a gen pop case, gut health, hormones, birth control, whatever it is—write it down on a piece of paper or open up a Word document. And I want you to make four different categories, okay? The first category is going to be mental, okay? The second category is going to be emotional. The third category is going to be physiological. And then the fourth category is going to be practical. So these are four feeders. If you think of it as like a circle, there are four parts of a circle that feed into the middle part, which is the client, all right? And all these or parts have feeders that go into them. So for example, mental, there's the client's aptitude, there's a client's skill set, there's a client's current habits. These are all things that feed into the mental side of things. Okay. Physiological would be health history, symptoms, injuries, their training age, how long have they been working out, supplements, lab work, blah, blah, blah. But it seems to me that most people only fit focus on the physiological. Then on the other side, there is the practical, which is the timeline that is in the client's head, their financial constraints, right, that allows them to actually work with you for the needed period of time. And then there's things like physical limitations, work family life balance. And then if you remember the the other part of the circle, which is the emotional, there's, you know, childhood trauma, there's body image issues, there's other feeders like that, that can affect those other three parts. Yeah. So... What I would recommend is really, really good intake forms. So when yeah. you have, over time, I'm sure, John, you and I, we probably have changed our intake forms many, yep. many times based off the cases that we've seen and the things that we've missed, right? 
And those intake forms get built up and built up so that we believe that they are bulletproof as up to this point in our careers. Right, right. So I would, you know, encourage all coaches listening to think about things you've missed or problems and bulletproof those those intake forms that when you send something out and you get something back, you can easily map out these four areas and see where you should begin within these sections. That's that's really good. I've never heard of someone break it down like that. It's very, um, very thorough. And that's probably something I'm going to guess 2014 Jeff didn't do, I would I would imagine, right? No. Oh. <laughs> I just went right into physiological. I said, okay, how many times do you work up? What are your calories? What are your macros? What right. drugs are you taking? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, and, and I bring that up for a reason. We've got a lot of 2013 Jeffs, you know, we've got a lot of, t- you know, 2010 Johns listening to the show. And I remember, I'll remember the first time I changed my intake form to catch something. It was like t- probably 2010, 2011. I wasn't catching what people's past six months of eating looked like. And I was getting people coming to me who had just done a show three years ago, or they had just got done yo-yo dieting for a fucking year and a half. Right. And I didn't look at their metabolic capacity and their dieting history. And I remember getting people and I was turning around, I was just trying to diet them right out of the gate and I was running into problems. And what I didn't realize until later is, Hey, you better find out what they've been doing because that matters on what you're doing. But I didn't know that at the time. So it's, it's all these different things. And I think that four system process, I think is perfect. Um, And if you're listening, just hit rewind, go back and write those down, email it to yourself, text it yourself, whatever. If you're, if you're, you know, somewhere you're not in front of a computer, and I think that's a great way to look at. Now, is that going to scare some people off? It will, because it's a lot of work. And you know what? I love that because the ones that are fucking wanting to grow, you want to get better. You're going to take something like that and you're going to adapt it and, and adopt it. And I love that because, you know, I'm a competitive type guy and I know you are as well. And we both know that we're so inundated with a ton of quote unquote coaches out there that the strong will survive. And the people that listen to everything you just said, and they're like, Ooh, there's a nugget like that. That's the nugget. You're always yeah. looking for something from every show that could be the nugget right there. So take that and adopt it. And if that scares you away from doing more work, we'll see you. Cause you're going to be doing something else in a couple of years. Cause you're just not cut yeah. out for it, you know, and that's harsh, but you know what? That's the fucking reality of it. Yeah. And, you know, I want to use myself as a, a little learning example here because th- these were mistakes I made, right? So let's say you're a coach out there, you've been, you're tenured and you're great at gut health, right? And you have a gut health program that you sell that's high ticket. Let's say you're charging $500, $750 a month and you know you can get people results, which is which is great, right? So you, you, let's say that's a physiological thing. Someone comes to you with gut health issues, you, they've been through doctors, they've taken the PPIs, they've gotten the SIBO test, the breath test, right? The Genova stool test. There's something wrong with them, clearly, physiologically. Do you plug them right into your program? Do you say, hey, I can help you, but it's $500 a month and we're going to run this protocol, this kill protocol. We're going to re-inoculate, we'll go through the five R's, whatever, you know, that they do, right? Maybe. But what if that person, you know, you talk to them, they're like, okay, well, they're a single mom. They've got two kids. They're dependent on child support. They almost missed their rent payment, um, you know, last month. And they have current relationship issues with their boyfriend. They also drink on the weekends because of their stress Mm -hmm. and they just can't put it together. Now, how does that change things? 
right? So if you plug that person into your program and somehow sold them and somehow convinced them to pay you, that client's going to fail because they don't have the mental and the emotional pieces. You didn't try to coach those two pieces, right. which would feed into the physiological piece. And you never consider the practical piece, which is the fact that could they actually afford you for the full, let's say, six to nine months that it takes to troubleshoot a gut health issue at the rate that you commanded? Yeah. So you almost shoot yourself in the foot and the client before you even get started. What would be the better solution is to change your business practices, have a cheaper plan that supports the client mentally, emotionally first for a long period of time. And that in itself would probably alleviate a lot of gut health issues because if you know gut health, you know that a lot of it's tied to stress, yep. you know, and that physiological side is tied to the mental side. And then you might not even need the fancy protocols. And then you get the client fixed in nine months. They didn't have to pay that much. You didn't have to do too much. Everyone's happy. I agree, man. I, I love it. And I love personal experiences too. I think anytime you can hear a, you know, a very established coach say, Hey, listen, like learn from me because it's, this is, this is something I adopted and learned from. Um, there's no better example. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, you know, there's, there's more practical application here that I would like to, you know, put out there for coaches to, to try on their own. And so I want people to think like, okay, so when you get a client case and they come to you, they're on like two different SSRIs, they're on a PPI, they're on all these support supplements that their former naturopath doctor gave to them, and then they still haven't reached any results. Right. And now they're in front of you asking for your help. So it's like, where do you begin with that, right? So I already talked about these four quadrants of this circle that you can start to kind of bullet point the feeders and what you're noticing from your intake forms. We've talked about having good intake forms to gather this information. So now it's how you lay this out, right? And so the question you have to ask yourself is, how did the client get here today? And in what order did this happen? So you have all this information now. It's almost like dumping out a giant thousand piece puzzle on the floor. Yeah. Now you got to sort through the different colors and make sense of it all. So you get a picture, you got to make that puzzle, right? So I like to think, okay, like I, some of the, my mentees, like this is one thing that, you know, someone may listen to this and this is what frustrates me. They're like, oh, my client's on, you know, this medication, okay, like bupropion or something. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, what does this drug do? Like, I don't know. I was like, well, can you Google it, please? <laughs> like, yeah. You at least look up what it does so you can understand, oh, yeah, it's an antidepressant. Oh, yeah, maybe antidepressants could cause this, this, or this downstream. So that's the beginning of the deductive process, that logical cycle that you have to enter to try to figure out how did the client go from point A to like point Z, and then they're in front of you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that that's even a that's even deep down the hole too, sometimes. Um, once you understand things at that level and, you know, uh, one of your mentees, like they're going to be at a pretty good level. We can even give another example for somebody that's just starting out coaching. And that can be those simple, simple things. The puzzle that you're going to dump out in front of you is they're not losing weight. So now you start to collect all that information. Okay. Let me show me, send me your diet for the last seven days. Let me look at the exact foods. And then you start to look at, are they eating a bunch of, are they eating out a ton and trying to track that? Because that's not going to be as accurate. Um, are they super low on sleep? Is stress super high at work? Like you're looking at all these things and 
you know what I mean? You talked about Googling the prescription med, right? Well, this can also be as simple as just asking a bunch of different um, questions and then you gather that information, but you need to understand what low sleep does to the body. You need to understand what cortisol does. You need to understand the eating out. And there's people that are in the beginning stages that you still need to adopt this process. It may not be you know, so much about their meds because you're probably just starting out. But I like this approach to everything because it applies to beginner and advanced. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to the basics that you mentioned, John, I think every client, you know, no matter, you know, whether they're gen pop or they want to do contest prep or if it's functional, you have to make sure I would say for a period of three months that they are absolutely hitting on all cylinders with nutrition, with recovery and sleep, stress management, training, cardio, they're nailing their supplements. If you have them taking basic supplements, they're nailing the basics for at least a period of three months to prove that they are consistent. Yep. Um, and then after, you know, I found that just by doing that will take care of a lot of issues. And the other thing that I found in, in pushing my clients to do that is that a lot of clients and just human beings in general, we're not all that honest about what we're doing a hundred percent. I agree. You know, it's like, I've lied to my coaches before. You know, I'll admit that, you know, I, I've told people that like, yeah, I'm drinking my water. Yeah, my water, water tank is fine. It's, it can't be that. But I'm really drinking like, you know, two cups of like water, like 24 ounces like this. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's just like I pushed it to the back of my head. Yeah. Just ignored it. So if I can do that and I'm, you know, I'm being bold enough to admit that now, um, just think of all the other things that people could be, you know, you know, sliding in the back of their heads and not reporting. And yeah. then to make things even harder for the client and coach, a lot of coaches are using, um, I don't recommend this. I don't know if anyone listening is doing this, but they say, oh, you know, um, rate your dietary he- adherence for the past week from a scale of one to 10. And so my question to my mentees is, what's the difference between a five and a 7.5? Yeah. You know, so a better question to to ask would be list out all of your deviations to plan for this past week. So that question is implying that there are going to be some deviations because I'll tell you, John, even when I was on my contest preps and I was like, I I was in shape, you know, Jason Theobald prepped me. I looked great. There were times when like, I would just grab a handful of blueberries and like, it was supposed to be like 55 grams and it'd be like 62 now they got close enough. <laughs> yeah. But if you do that all the time with everything, especially something like peanut butter, oh, 30 grams, uh, I need 22 grams, uh, 30 grams, that's uh, fine. You know, that's, exactly. that's a big adjustment. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So as a coach, you just have to understand that human beings are going to do that. I'm telling you that I've done it. And uh, you have to, you know, make sure you get ahead of that by asking direct questions so that you don't give the client the excuse to hide it in the back of their head. And, and you're right. I think explaining exactly, you know, the one to 10 scale is what I use um, and I break it down, but I could probably explain mm-hmm. it better. Hey, here, I explain what a nine and 10 looks like, but you're yeah. right. What's the difference between a five and a seven? Um, I just know that if my clients are below an eight, there, I'm going to explain to them, you know, I'm like, Hey, listen, if you're a physique athlete, you need to be a nine. Like you just need to, yeah. 10 is fucking perfect. And I don't expect that in the off season during prep, it better be a freaking 10. Um, so I think explaining that's really, really good. The other thing I see it, the, 
I would say the biggest thing I see people just kind of eh, not really lie, but just kind of like you said, push to the back of your head and just kind of gloss over. That's maybe one of the most important things. Well, not maybe it is, is this. They're on their phone. They're not sleeping. And every night they're up, they're searching social, they're doing all these things. I, I don't really care what it is. It's you got a light in front of your eyes, right? Which is telling your body to stay awake. And they're not getting enough sleep and they can't fix that habit. It's easy to tighten the diet up. It's easy to train hard and get your cardio in. It's it's easier to meal prep. It's not so sexy to make sure you're getting eight hours of sleep, for example, and your body really, really needs it. Sleep is one of those ones I constantly have to come back to clients on. And when it's fixed, it's like almost every single time they help, they all start dropping almost every time. So that that's one, if you're a coach listening that's kind of the little hidden one, you know, you can dial in everything else. And like the sleep one's kind of the one they're just going to fucking fight you on, you know, cause they just don't want to make it the priority. Yeah. Are you seeing that as well? Like, would you agree with that? Absolutely with sleep. And I would say related to the phone too, social media in general um, can be a factor that plays into, you know, those four quadrants that I was talking about and trips the client up, um, you know, especially with the gut health stuff, a lot of women out there seem to think that their stomachs just should, should be completely flat, like yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I, I try to tell all my clients, I'm like, no, that's you have organs, like you have a uterus, you have a womb in there, like you're not gonna have a flat stomach. And you know, a lot of stuff's photoshopped too. Yeah. Um, I had a client uh once who you know had a very unsupportive husband um who would like pinch her like back fat and stuff and like yeah. call her names and say, oh, they're looking a little chunky today, huh? Oh, geez. And, and that like really messed with her. Yeah. And so she started, you know, she was a, a housewife and they were pretty well off and, you know, she stayed at home and she had a lot of free time. So she would just dive into like all this like parasite stuff. Maybe I have like, a parasite. Maybe I have this mold. I have this SIBO or whatever. Yeah. And then it drove me nuts because every other day she would think that she has a new disease. Yeah. Just like this emotional spiral that she was in. And then, you know, I finally encouraged her to get therapy and, yep. you know, have to talk with her, her husband about things and things are better. You know, you, you bring up a really good point. And I know we're going to go off a little bit, but it's okay. Uh, we're talking about social and, letting things in because it, it all, it ties to the emotional part, right? The mental part that you're kind of talking about in those quadrants. Um, I had an email this week from a client of mine who was seeing a lot of people with, you know, they're, they're putting out their issues on social media, like, Hey, I'm fixing this gut health or I'm coming off birth control and I'm seeing all these problems. Right. And it's a lot of people like to put all their negative stuff that they're going through before they even get it fixed. It'd be nice if people fixed it. And then they said, Hey, this was happening and here's how I fixed it. Yeah. A lot of people are going through all the negative shit and it's just a constant posting of this. And what it's also doing, it's also making all these women think that if they're training more than three or four days a week, that they're all going to get fucked up. Right. And there's a lot of healthy women that that are training five days a week and doing great. And this client emailed me and she's you know, making great prior, actually have her training six days a week because her recovery is super high. She's on HRT and she's making amazing progress. I don't want to change anything because her progress is the best it's ever been in like five years that we're working together. And there's a short period of time where you can go up and down and do deloads and all these things. It's another topic. But my point is she started to see all these other things happening with other people. And she started to get into her head and think, 
oh man, like all these bad things are going to happen to me because this everyone on social is posting about it. And I think with some of the content guys like you and I and others have put out over the years, people are starting to get scared to train too hard, too much, like things of that nature. So my point is social can really mess with you. And that's where you've got to either talk to your coach about it, or sometimes as a coach, you've got to help your clients realize, hey, I've got you doing this because you're okay. Like you're in a point to push really hard right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, social can be kind of a mind fuck at some point. Yeah. People just sort of shut off their brains, I think. Um, You know, and they they don't, you know, they don't no longer think it's like, am I actually happy? Am I actually feeling good in the gym? Am I actually waking up feeling good? You know, and if you are, keep doing what you're doing, you know, until you know, then then you'll know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And this, I love this, this client of mine. I know she's listening. Um, I, she's been with me a long time yeah. and she tends to worry a little bit, but she's down like nine or 10 pounds, maintaining that much leaner physique, more muscle than she's ever had. When she's in her groove, she's loving everything. And just sometimes that stuff can start to get to be, and we're all human. Like we start to th- see things and start to worry. Um, but yeah, you're right. Are you happy? Are you healthy? You're injury free. Hormone panels look good. Like you are great. Like let's not create a problem where there's not one, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll make sure you're good. So yeah. So it's, I know a total side tangent and we'll probably do a whole podcast on it. Cause you and I are kind of grumpy old men. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to that on another episode. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to, you know, the, the topic that we're focusing on, I wanted to you know highlight another mistake that I made fairly recently. That's a good teaching experience where I was talking about something called the domino principle um, for for quite some time. And that whole thing was like, like the whole analogy was, let's say you have a a health problem, right? And that's represented by a a circle of dominoes. But one of those dominoes are much, much heavier than the rest. Like one of them is made out of like pure, like cast iron and the other ones are plastic ones. Okay. So what happens when you tip over like one of the other dominoes, right? They probably go around and they hit that really heavy one and they stop, yep. right? So you never saw the case. So my whole thing was domino principle. You got to find your heaviest domino, find that cast iron piece, tip that one over and you solve the case and you, yep. you, you tip over the entire circle. And, you know, that made a lot of sense and it got shared a lot on, uh, on Instagram and, you know, people actually started using that term, which is cool and all. And I, I fully agree with it, but that was just one piece of the puzzle I realized over time. So for anyone listening who has heard of that, um, that's very, very like, like a micro view of things. Yeah. And so applied to a case, that would be, let's say you've got a case across your desk, 49 year old female was on hormonal birth control her whole life. She had a partial hysterectomy then continue taking um, birth control because she wasn't educated by her doctors. Um, let's say she also is hypothyroid and she her labs look like she has PCOS. Okay, so so how do you so applying that domino principle? It's like okay, well you order, order through you know you know your health history, your medications, and all that stuff. It's like where, where do you attack right? But that principle ignored. The, that quadrant thing that I was talking about, which was the mental, emotional, the practical, and the physiological. So the domino principle still holds true for those of you who have heard of it, but each quadrant has its own domino circle. 
Yeah. So the physiological has its own, the practical has its own, emotional, mental has its own. And then you have to work all of that together. Yeah. That's I love it, man. It, it's a perfect, perfect analogy. I love, I like, I can picture that and see it and I can apply it to each one. Like that just yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. 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 I think, um, you know, when, when coaches stop and, and kind of take that bird's eye view, things will become a lot clearer and it'll allow you to sort things through and communicate with your clients better. Um, I just know that, you know, I've made so many mistakes over the last 10 years of coaching that if I had only known this stuff and I didn't do the high ticket pricing for functional and I worked the basics and I applied inductive reasoning, I think I would have kept a lot of like my early on clients, the yeah. people who really believed in me and took a chance on me when I was nobody. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't know any better. And I yeah. feel bad because the fact that I didn't know any better is why I did what I did. And I lost those people, but those are my earliest supporters, you know? And so after all this stuff, you know, that I learned, I recently, you know, reached back out to a whole bunch of people and said, Hey, you know, things are different these days, come back, you know, and, and see the difference. And I had a lot of people actually give me a, a second chance um, after that whole functional storm that we all went through. Sure. And I started working on a lot of cases for, for really inexpensive prices, like 150 bucks a month, $200 a month. And I've been getting better results than when I charged people 500, 750, 1000. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, I, part of that, I'm, I'm going to guess it's because you reached back out and that's a, that's a genuine thing to say, Hey, listen, I've learned this whole other skill set. I understand what happened back then. Uh, do yeah. you feel like that was, that was part of it? Yeah. I mean, I, I apologized to a lot yeah. of clients. I said, you know, I'm sorry that I put you through, you know, all this testing, all these protocols and it didn't end up anywhere. If you give me a chance, let's see what we can do in three months. And a lot of them came back. Yeah. And it proved to me that none of that was necessary. And honestly, my business has still grown year over year. Even if I decreased my prices, it went up in other areas. Yeah. You know, so it didn't hurt me financially one bit. And I feel a lot better about myself in terms of competency and applying like the right way of thinking in cases. You know, this this is another podcast topic that you and I have talked about off air that would that would make a good topic, and that's the the rise of the functional coach. Um, and I don't necessarily mean rise in a good way. Um mm. is, yeah. you know, because people like you and I and Jason and others, and like we've kind of created this monster because we were all yeah. kind of early to it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think there's a point there that I think people that are starting to get into that side is when you're first starting out, like you can really cost the client a lot of money if you don't know what the hell you're doing and you're not going to get the results and you're not going to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. um, man, that that's hard. That That's a hard one to help people steer through because you still need to learn, right? Um, yeah. So it's, it's a balance. It's definitely a hard one. And I think people getting into the functional side of this, I think... Um, I think they should all have really good results with the basics and all the different, yeah, all the different applications that go with that before mm -hmm. you start to add this and then slowly add it. Don't start trying to fix fucking SIBO right out of the gate and God 
forbid, don't try and help females off off of uh, birth control. Yeah. You're a guy and you're just starting to learn about it. You're like, oh, I'm just going to help them do this. Like, I'm I'm just going to be honest because I don't care. I don't want a bunch yeah. of clients and females. I have to get off birth control. I send them other places. I do because yeah. I just do not yeah. have the expertise in that. Um, I've not done it and understood everything because it's super confusing. And yeah. I'm trying to learn these other different things like I talked about earlier with cholesterol and cardiovascular disease. I'm trying to become an expert in that. I'm not going to spend the time on birth control, but I will refer them out to somewhere else. So yeah. if I did, I could really make some big, big mistakes. You know what I mean? And I think people need to have that in mind. Yeah. I, uh, this is a funny story, but I, um, I work out with, uh, Jose Raymond, you know, okay. Mr. Olympia 212, um, out at a gym in Boston, uh, owned by my buddy, um, Nate Tilo, gym hub. And, uh, there was one time Jose loves to give me shit when we we're training. And when we first met, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I look at all your content, you're doing all this like medical stuff. He goes, do you think you're better than me? And I was like, no, no, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about, Jose? And then he's like, good. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, yeah, I can get into all that bullshit too, but I just stick to making people look good and I train hard. Is there anything wrong with that? I was like, no, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't know where this is coming from, but. <laughs> so, that's, but uh, that's funny. He made a good point though, because like, you know, that man's been around for a while. He's extremely successful. He puts out great looking athletes. And he told me, He's like, if anyone ever had a gut issue, he's like, I'll send this to someone like you. I'm not yeah. gonna do it. I don't want to pretend that I, I want to deal with it either. And um, you know, it's just funny when when you just said that, it reminded me of you know what Jose said. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I do think that a lot of us are we kind of created our own mess. I think yeah. now looking back on it, 2023, you know, that stuff really started growing in 2019, 2020 during the pandemic. Yep. Um, and I regret it in some ways, but I don't regret it in other ways because people do need to know about how stress affects the body and yep. menstrual cycles and things like that. But beyond like a basic understanding of, you know, eat a balanced diet, train just enough that you can recover, then prioritize sleep and stress and seek out a therapist if you need one. Aside from that, you know, there's really nothing else that us coaches should be doing. Um, and I feel like functional has grown more and more complex that the other day I was like talking to a mentee of mine. She told me that she no longer wants to do functional. Yeah. And she doesn't even want to run lab tests anymore because it's just too out of scope. And she's like, I feel like I got to go back to med school to keep up with this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I think something's going to happen. Some lawsuit, someone's going to do something awful yep. the bed. Um, and the whole thing's going to start like crashing down, but I've already noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, John, but there's been less and less posting about estrogen dominance and SIBO. Yeah. Adrenal, adrenal insufficiency. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I, I agree as well. I, I think what we should do, I think a good episode for you and I would be to break down 
the basics of understanding functional med uh, here on a podcast, yeah. right? Not at the level that we do some of our classes and stuff like that, because that that's just, you can't get that in a podcast. And that's why, yeah. not that we're trying to withhold information. You just can't get that in a podcast. You actually need to look at a PowerPoint and have things explained and ask questions. But I think it would be a good idea for people that are, and this falls within our podcast today, for the coaches that are needing to learn that next level, there is a time and place where you really should be able to look at labs and I'm not talking about getting advanced like PCOS, but I'm talking about you're looking at things to make sure that their testosterone levels are back up after dieting, right? And their free test levels are in a good place. And you can see the blood glucose first thing in the morning if they're not using a glucometer. And you can start to piece, you know, is sex hormone binding globulin sky high, you know, and they're, they're a physique athlete. Like there's all these little things that you can look at down to their T3, you know, is their T3 a freaking 1.9? Well, we know that's very slow and that's a basically snapshot of metabolism. There's things that you can look at that you don't have to feel like you're going back to medical school, but it lets you be a better coach because now you understand, hey, this person's testosterone is low. I don't need to have them training five, six days a week. Like I've got to, I've got to, and that's where you start to apply these protocols, like how to naturally boost testosterone levels and you give it eight weeks. And, you know, that's that's a whole other topic. But at least now, you know, because guess what? That person that doesn't want to do labs anymore and you have someone a client hire you and they want to put muscle on. Well, they're going to spend 12 months with you and they're not going to look any better. And now you've just wasted a year because you could have went and had them for 100 bucks, get their total test and free test done. You know, so it's it's one of those things. I highly recommend it just the beginning stages of it, at least. Um, but some of these advanced protocols you talked about due to adrenal insufficiency like that, it, you and I know it, SIBO too, like that stuff is so complex yeah. that people that think they understand it because they've listened to a podcast, like you're yeah. way off. You're going to spin your wheels and your clients are going to spend a shit ton of money. Yeah. On all these different protocols, you're probably not going to end up fixing it because you don't understand at the level that you should. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like uh, like Bitcoin and real estate and and everything else that people like to chime in on on social media. Yeah, if you really really get into investing and in finance, you'll you'll realize just how complex it really is. Yeah, <laughs> that that's a great that's a great. And, great and you probably won't buy bitcoins once you do understand it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But um, yeah, I guess any any sort of like parting advice that I would have, like I know we got to wrap things up here. We've been this has been a quick hour, John. Yeah, it has. It's gone real quick. I know you and I can we can talk forever on this we stuff. Could. So yeah, I just want to tell people that you know focus on the mental. I uh, have a really deep understanding of someone's mental health, where they're coming from. Have a lot of empathy to support the emotional. If a client needs to get on a call with you offer your time and do it. Give a little bit of extra. Of course, we all have boundaries and limitations. Only you know what those are. But if you are able to just reach out to a client, that goes a really long way. I can't tell you how how much that will pay you down the line. All right. And then speaking of paying, we do run a business. So keep in mind the practical. All right. The goal is to allow the client to have enough time to work through their issues. Don't price them into a corner because you're going to price yourself into a corner and lose that client. And every client that you lose, it's an infinite amount of referrals that you could also lose. Good point. So that's another nugget that I want to leave with people. And then just do a little touch of the physiological, which is understanding a little bit of the lab work, like you just said about low testosterone and, and training gains and progression and understand what drugs do and why people are put on it and, and whatnot. 
But if you just focus on the mental, emotional, and the practical, you'll go a long way with coaching without having to touch much of the physiological and the lab work and all that. I agree, man. This is this has been a great show. If you're listening, we're going to have everything that you need in the show notes, how to get a hold of Jeff, um, how to email either one of us. We'll have all that stuff there. Um, and we really appreciate the time, Jeff. This has been a fun episode. I can definitely see us doing a lot more because there's a lot of good content yeah. that you and I can put out, you know, from experience and new things that we learn, we can continue to do those things. So um, anything you want to say before we wrap up? No, that's it. I mean, this has been a great chat, great opportunity to be on the podcast with you. And I guess if people want to reach me, I'm first call fitness on Instagram. So that's all I've got. Yeah, man. It's been a fun episode for myself and Jeff. We're out of here. See you guys. All right. See ya.